When we were announced that baby Earl number one was on its way, there was one thing that I think 99% of you all said to me. And it went something along the lines of, your world will never be the same again. I'm not sure if that was an encouragement or not. Uh, but we'll see. I'll let you know in a month or so when uh, the baby is born. But actually, the more I think about it, and the more I've seen just in the last seven and a half months, I think you might be right. It's a bit scary, isn't it? It's a bit exciting. But also, there's so many things to do. Our Saturday afternoons used to be taken up with kind of walks in the park or frisbee with friends or a trip out to the pub or whatever. Now we seem to spend our life in mother care. And talking about buggies. And poor old Richard's doing a lot of DIY. The nesting incense has, uh, it has kicked in. Already we're starting to make room for the baby. My office after Christmas becomes the baby's room. That's a huge change for me in my world. Not only do I lose my nicely organized bookshelves, it's going to be replaced by a changing mat and a cot. We're having to make room for this baby. And it feels exciting and scary and a little bit of hard work as well. And that's before little Earl makes an appearance. Who knows what's going to happen afterwards? I'm sure you're right. Our world's never quite going to be the same again. Anna, we're thanking you for your prayers and your love and your coffee in advance. That will be really, really good. Joanna read a great passage for us uh, in the beginning of Matthew where it talks about other first-time parents. And uh, you might imagine that all these stories are becoming really alive to us at the moment. Matthew chapter 1, verse uh, 18 onwards. You might want to have it open throughout this uh, talk. It's page 965 in your pew Bibles. And this is Matthew's account, Matthew's story of how that first Christmas happened. And it focuses right at the beginning on Joseph. I wonder how he was feeling. I'm pretty sure he felt like his world would never be the same again, just like we're feeling that his whole world had been completely turned upside down. He'd fell in love, he'd met Mary, it had been arranged for him to be married, he was engaged. Engagement in that time isn't a bit like our engagement, actually. They'd already made official vows to each other. They were very committed to each other. But before they had chance to marry, before they had chance to consecrate their marriage by having sex, an angel shows up and says, your wife-to-be is pregnant. Wow, his world really was about to be turned upside down. And not only that, poor old Joseph had to contend with the fact that he was never going to be the biological father of this child in any way. God in heaven was going to be. His world really was never going to be the same again. Poor old Joseph had an awful lot to contend with. There was the gossip of others like, Read in verse 19, he wondered about divorcing her quietly so that the gossip would not be too much for her. And then he had this crazy time with an angel. Well, that's got to play with your brain a little bit, meeting an angel for a start and then being told all this kind of stuff. And then he was going to bring up a child that was God's. Wow. He also had to protect and love Mary. 
But even more than that, and if you were here at the gathering last Sunday evening, you would have heard Alice speak on it, if not listen to it on the podcast, that uh, he was going to be the father on earth of the prophesied king, the one that in the Old Testament had been prophesied would be coming, the one who would come to save the world, the one who would come to set the captives free. He was going to be the the, uh, earthly father of that son. Now, that's a lot to get your head around in such a short time. Wow. And then uh, in verse 23, it says these words, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Familiar words at this time of year, but really powerful words, because Joseph had to change all of his plans, his life plan, his dreams, his vision, to follow God's plan, to do what the angel had asked of him, to follow God's way. He had to make room for the birth of a baby, in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. And the process of that meant that so many things had to change in his life. Stuart's baptism, and I've already referred to these words, uh, testimony said, I was at spring harvest and I said, God, you're my boss. When his new life began, when he was seven and eight, when he became a Christian, he had to make room for God, not just kind of a little bit of room on the side, but he had to put God right at the centre. And Joseph's the same here in a, a very different way, but he's having to put God and God's way and God's plans right at the centre of his life, giving up all of his dreams, giving up all of his plans and saying, God, you're the boss you do what you want. Now I'm going to ask my two lovely assistants to move my table across if they could. I've got a kind of illustration that's been confusing a few people as I've been asking for sand and stones over the last few days that's hopefully going to help us. And I hope you can see it from up in the uh, balcony. I'm not going to put it on the stage because I will fall in the baptistry. Uh, So if we could just have that round to the front. Thank you very much. Right. One of these things that works really well in your lounge, but we'll see what happens now. Some notes would be helpful too. Making room for God's presence, God's ways, God's rule in our lives actually is quite straightforward if we think about it. However, there's only one way to do it, not two ways. And I've got two very lovely spaghetti jars here. One of them, as you can see, is filled with, thank you, good old B&Q builder's sand. And I want to imagine that this big bowl is your life, that actually this is everything about your life here. And it's already probably quite busy, quite full. You've got work, maybe, or school, college, ministry, whatever it is you do most of the time in your day. Then you've got other things like friends, family, others that you might care for, relationships. You've got ambitions and desires and dreams and hopes and longings, or I hope you have. You've probably got a bit of pain mixed up in there, a bit of hurt, maybe some illness, maybe some sad times, maybe something about your past... And that kind of makes up your life. Your life is here. It's full. It's busy. There's a lot for that's either gone on or is going on. And then along comes God, and you try and fit him in too. 
right? Okay. We've tried to fit God in somehow. Does he fit? Not at all. We've tried to add him last. We've tried to fit him in somehow around everything else, around our work life, around our family, around our friends, around our relationships. We try to fit God in somehow, but he just doesn't quite fit. And life just doesn't somehow work and God becomes a bit boring or church becomes a drag and you'd rather stay in bed or watch Hollyoaks repeat. God just doesn't quite fit. It just doesn't work. Stuart today and all of us who are Christians have done something a bit different. This is another life. We'll call him Stuart. (laughs) And what he's done is he's taken God and he said, God, you're my boss. You're in charge. You're first. And he's put God in first, not tried to fit him in around everything else, not tried to squeeze him in to a little bit of a space, but he's fitted him in first. Now, I'm really sorry, John. I might make a mess. I'll help you clean up tomorrow, I promise. He's done just that. He's put God in first. And then the other things like his dreams, the other things like his schoolwork, the other things like his future, his relationships, even his family and his friends. We'll keep going. Even his pain, or hurt, or sickness, hard times. He's put them in as well, because that's what life's about. But somehow, it all just seems to fit better. And God fits in his life, because God is actually first in his life. And you can't really see the stone anymore, but he is right in the centre there. He's first. He's the boss. And around it is all the sand and it's fixed. God was placed in first. Your boss. And then all of my hopes, all of my dreams, all of the plans I have, all the things I want about relationships, all the things I long for in my family and my friends, it somehow works because God is right at the centre of our lives. He was put there first, not tried to be crammed in at the last minute as a little bit of an add-on. That helps me think a little bit about how we can make room for God in our lives. I've tried to do it this way, adding God in as an extra, a pastime, and God becomes very boring. It doesn't make sense. The pain that we feel becomes quite lonely and isolating because we don't understand God's comfort and God's hope. The relationships we are in often become destructive or hurtful or painful because we haven't put God at the centre of them. Our future, we often get really confused about what to do because we don't know God's plans, God's purpose. But if we put God, make room for him, say he's boss, all these things somehow begin to begin to come together. I'll leave those there so you can have a look and think about some of the things I've said. But making room for God in our lives means not just adding him on, it means stop trying to be 
your own boss. Now, I quite like being my own boss. I'm quite bossy. (sighs) But actually, I know I have to let God be my boss. He has to be the one who is in charge of my life. I have to put him first in every single way. Following him and then seeking him for the rest of things of my life. And that does mean one thing. It means that I'm going to live slightly differently. We prayed for Stuart in the pool that actually from here on in, it would only be the beginning, that God would do some incredible things in the future through him and around him. And my prayer for him is that he discovers how to live differently. And sometimes to do that, we have to give up some things in our own lives. To put God first sometimes means certain habits have to go. Stuff that we know might hurt God, addictions, might be one of those things. Sometimes we have to bring certain relationships before God, maybe even give them up and say, okay, I want to live for God. How does that work? Sometimes we have to bring our past before God and allow him to heal it to help us to live freely so that we can no longer have those things hurting us and we can put God at the centre, not our own pain and our own hurts. And this can be really hard sometimes. Making room for God only works if we put him first in every area of our lives, even the bits that we don't want really him to be involved in. Maybe that's a relationship. When I first became a Christian, I had to give up certain friendships for a while because I knew they weren't going to help me be the person that God wanted me to be. There were certain things that I used my free time for that I had to change because they weren't putting God first in any way. And it wasn't easy, but I've never regretted it because I was choosing to put God first in every single way. So, what about me? Well, there's a challenge here for those of us here who haven't put God first in our life to start with, who are maybe trying to fit him in on the top. And my challenge to you today is don't give up exploring God. He might be feeling a bit boring because he's on the side, or you might not, it might not make any sense, or maybe some of the other things in your life are just seeming a bit more interesting, a bit more exciting. Don't give up following God. Don't give up exploring about him. Don't give up making space for him. Keep searching for him. And there'll come a point like Stuart, like uh, many of us here, where we might be able to say with all certainty, I want God to be first. I want God to be first. So that's for some of us here, but actually a lot of us here have already made this step. And making room for God isn't just for us who are new Christians here. It's not just for us who have become Christians recently. It's for all of us, even those of us who've been Christians since Jesus was born. Making room for God is for all of us. What about me? This Christmas, we've got a huge opportunity to revisit this again and to check right through Advent that we are putting God first. And that means every day, and we say this a lot in church, but every day we need to constantly commit ourselves to God. It might be for you, you have to every hour do that, every minute. But every day we need to say, oh, I'm, I'm yours, God. How, how can I use today for you? 
Every day we might need to say, I'm leaving my past behind and living for you. Every day it might be, God, I might have some difficult decisions today. How can I live for you? Constantly committing ourselves to God is something that the more we live as a Christian, the more we have to do. And we'll pray as we uh, respond about doing that in a while. I wonder how many distractions there are in your world at the moment. I've become slightly distracted by wrapping presents and writing Christmas cards. They take quite a long time, don't they? Christmas often, there are many kind of curveballs. Christmas, you might be really busy because you're involved in carol concerts. Maybe you've been in one Christmas this week. Whatever it is, there are many distractions that try and stop us focusing on what Christmas is all about. But the challenge for us this Christmas, and if you're doing uh, Celebrating Women with Kerry and you're on the one month to live process, there's a huge challenge here. How can I put God first in everything this Christmas? How is that Christmas card I'm going to send be a bit different because I'm speaking words of God into it? My search for a decent nativity card continues. We need to avoid the distractions that are around us. And we need to make room for God. Make space for his presence. As we sing carols that are so familiar, use them as worship. Don't just sing them because you know them well. Which is my next point, really. Making time to worship God. But that's not just singing. We do that on a Sunday uh, very well. But actually, we need to make time to learn about him. I loved uh, the Stuart's bit about being a Bible nut. I hope we can all say that. Get yourself some Bible notes. Start reading the Bible more. That's part of our worship and getting to know God. Get to know your Bible really well. We need to tell other people about God. We need to make space for him to work in our lives. You might not feel there's much space. You need to make space for God's presence to work in your life. You need to trust him. You need to let him lead you and allow space for his presence to change you. You can do that if you've been a Christian for two minutes or if you've been a Christian for 45 years. We need to do this daily. We need to commit ourselves, avoiding distractions, make time to worship God, letting him work in our lives, putting him first in every way. And when we do this, it does not become boring. Being a Bible nut is not boring. Putting God first and allowing life to follow that means amazing things happen because God is the God of the amazing. My life has not been dull since I put God first. It's been completely the opposite. Let's just think about the other half, though, of the Mary and Joseph partnership. Let's think as we finish about Mary. You might want to find out Luke chapter 1. The story of Mary is so clearly in there. Mary put God first so well. She's an inspiration. She's not very old, the same age as some of our young people here. And she's told by an angel that she will have God's son. I'll leave you to imagine how she was feeling. (laughs) But after a chat with an angel, she stands before God and she says these incredible words. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be me as you have said. 
She's saying the same thing. Lord, I put you first. I want you to be boss. It doesn't matter about the stretch marks and the fact that the gossip. It doesn't matter that I'm going to be a mum of the king of kings and the lord of lords and I can't get my head around that. I'm putting you first. I'm saying I am the Lord's servant. Even though my world might turn completely upside down, even though you're going to use me in a crazy way, even I have to leave my plans, my dreams beside me, I'm going to make room for you at the centre of my life. We're going to sing uh, uh, the song that we uh, uh, so uh, had at the beginning. And the words here are so amazing. It's a Christmas song, but it's talking about putting God on the throne of our lives. A different word for the same thing. Putting God first. I am the Lord's servant. Put him on the throne of our lives. And I'm going to ask just the band to play the first verse uh, and chorus through. Maybe you want to close your eyes and just listen to those words. And then we're going to stand together and sing the whole song as we respond to God.